starts on, on uh, June the 14th, two Sundays from today, a pulled pork dinner right after church. How about that, huh? The pulled pork dinner, that's the highlight right there. And uh, Nathan and his crew will be, will be doing that and putting it together. And we want you to participate, so, so, so check this out. You need to go to Eventbrite on the website, on the app. You can click there, go to Eventbrite, and buy your tickets. That lets us know how many dinners to prepare, how much to fix, and all these things. And, and the Alexander Center on the 14th, two weeks, we're going to set up the Alexander Center with social distancing where you can eat here at the church campus over in the Alexander Center and, and enjoy fellowship. We'll get back to some good food and fellowship because that's what we do best as Pentecostals. And, and so we want you to, to do that. If you're not comfortable staying, that's okay too. You can take it to go. We've also, if you haven't been back, we've got some really cool playground equipment. There's going to be some um, picnic tables and things coming. We've really got the back of the church set up for, for the kids and for hanging out back there. You can eat your lunch outside if you want to. If you're on live stream that day and not able to be in church and you feel like driving up and getting the dinner, we'd like for you to do that too. But the bottom line is, is we got to get going for She's for Christ. Our missionaries are, are, are really feeling the pinch of this COVID-19. They haven't been able to travel. They haven't been able to raise their budget. They, 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 nobody's having live services, so they're not having missionaries. And they need our help tremendously. It's a time for us to step up. We've always done a lot for She's for Christ. But we've got to step up now more than ever because our missionaries need us to help get the gospel to every region of the world. So mark your calendars for the 14th. Buy your tickets. We're going to have a good time and we're going to have good food. If you got it, say amen. Amen. Awesome. Now let's go to the word of God. Praise God. Acts chapter 2, verses 16 through 18. Peter speaking here, explaining the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see, uh, shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Amen. Thank God for the word. I want to challenge all of us today, beginning with the man in the pulpit. And so I'm going to preach to you today and preach to myself today from this question, do we really want revival? Do we really want revival? God bless you and you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. You're going to help me preach today. Oh boy, wow, I'm out here all by myself. Thank you. Yeah, we'll, uh, let's just take a few moments here and have a little church, all right? Let's have, let's have Pentecost this, this Sunday. Uh, I, I do want to challenge us, but I want to show you that God's got some great things in store for us. A Welsh preacher of the late 18th and early 19th century by the name of Christmas Evans. How's that for a name? His name was Christmas Evans, a Welsh preacher back in the 18th and 19th centuries once gave the following account, and and this is a quote here, a lengthy quote of something he wrote. One Sunday afternoon as I was traveling by horseback to an appointment, he says, suddenly I, I went along a very lonely road and was convicted of having a cold heart. He said, I, I dismounted, I, I tethered my horse to a tree, and I found a secluded spot. And then walking back and forth in agony, I reviewed my life. 
He said, I waited before God in brokenness and sorrow for three hours. And finally, a sweet sense of His forgiving love broke over me, and I received a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say that as the sun was setting, I walked back to the road, found my horse, and rode on to my appointment. This is the part that really stands out to me and what I want you to get. He says, The following day I preached with so much new power to a vast gathering of people on a hillside that revival broke out and ultimately spread through all wells. It started with one man who was broken before the Lord and got hungry for more of God. And a revival saturated and spread through the entire country of Wales. Over the last 10 weeks or so, since the quarantine and the lockdown and all of this, I, I, just like you, have prayed, and I've prayed, and I've prayed, and I've prayed. I've prayed for my family and their health. I've, I, I've prayed for my health. I, early on, I saw a video of Brother Morton Bustard, and he was binding COVID-19, and he said, uh, he said I, I'm sending it back to hell from where it came from. And I, boy, I thought that was a good idea, so I started doing that. I figured if that's what Morton Bustard was doing, that would be a good thing to do. So I started binding it. And so I've prayed. I've prayed for our economy. I've, I've prayed for my employer. I've prayed for my wife's employer. I've prayed for finances. I've, I've prayed for our leaders, local, state, national, world. I've prayed for our spiritual leaders. I've, I've prayed for Pastor and Sister Murph. I've prayed for Grace Church. Collectively, I've prayed for you as families. I've I've prayed for mercy. I've prayed that God would draw me closer to Him. I've prayed all these things. And several weeks ago, I was uh, early one morning in prayer and, and praying along these lines. And God smote me in my heart and in my spirit. And I had to be honest with God that in all of my praying and all the things I was concerned about that I was bringing to Him, I had not prayed for an outpouring of His Spirit in these last days. I had never prayed, not my will, but thine be done. I'd been so busy praying about the things going on around us and my safety and my family's safety that I forgot to pray about the mission of the church. And I forgot to pray about his mission and what he would ultimately want to be achieved in the earth, regardless of what personal sacrifice or discomfort I might have to have personally. To put it plainly and succinctly, I was much more passionate about praying for my comfort than I was a move of God. I'm just being honest with you today. Is that all right? I'm just telling you kind of where I live day in and day out. And so I had to be honest with God. And I said, God, if I'm being honest in your presence, I don't desire revival like I should. I said, God, I don't desire revival like you do. And I don't pray like I should, for thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I believe that the message to the church in this our hour, in these our times, anyone that has an ear to hear, is that God wants to awaken in us a fresh desire, a renewed zeal for an outpouring of His Spirit on all the earth. Not just our family and not just our community, but a worldwide outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I believe He's leading His church to prioritize revival and His kingdom because the things of this world are wrapping up very quickly. The Bible says now is the time to awaken out of sleep and the comfort that has lulled us into settling for less than God's best. It's time to be earnest and passionate for one 
final revival in our land, in our world, before Jesus comes. And so I've been praying along that line. I was convicted of this, and so I've been praying, really been praying our text that God, your word promises in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. I've been praying that, and slowly but surely over the last days and weeks, God has begun awakening me a desire and a hunger for a move of God, whatever it costs, whatever it takes, whatever I've got to do, whatever sacrifices I've got to make, but to see the kingdom of God manifest in our land and in our earth. Come on, time's wrapping up. Time's winding down. The sands of time are running out, but God wants to pour out His Spirit. He just needs you and me to be willing and able and desire it like never before. Now, I've been very privileged. I've I've been raised, born and raised in Pentecost. This is all I've ever known from an from a infant. I, just This is it. This is my life. This is what I've known. And I've heard it preached all my life that we need to have revival. I've, most times I've heard it preached that we were just on the cusp of revival, kind of like I'm preaching today. And, and I, I've always been perplexed and, and not a little unsure of what this term revival means. We kind of throw it around and uh, I don't, I mean, I don't know what, what, if we all have the same definition of revival and what we believe that back in the day, revival really meant a series of services, usually for several weeks, that, uh, that you called in a special evangelist and it was a reviving of the church. It was a, a reviving of uh, vision and passion and try to get people closer to Jesus. And it was also a harvest of souls that we would pray and evangelize and have people come in and get the Holy Ghost. I, I am still mesmerized to this day by the, by the testimony of the great revival of the 70s that happened in Baton Rouge at First Church. And, 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 and my dad was, came, into, came, uh, came into the kingdom during that revival. And I love those stories. And, and so they call that revival and, that, and it was preached. And, it, and revival does mean all of those things. That, that all is very much revival. And, and so today, just so that we're on the same page as I traverse through this message, when I say revival, I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about all those things, but I'm also talking about a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I'm, I'm talking about a wave of God's Spirit that washes over us as individuals, over us as a church, a, 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 a filling up of the Spirit of God that spills out into the city and, and then flows into the state and then, and then goes out into the nation and then spills over into all the world. It's, a, it's an encounter with the Holy Ghost that saves the lost. It, it heals the sick. It raises the dead. It, it sees signs and wonders and it keeps saved people saved. And I think really our text today defines revival the best, the one that I read to you earlier. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. We see young men dreaming dreams, old men dreaming dreams, prophecies, and, and just a sovereign move of God and outpouring of His Spirit. There's no question today that God wants that kind of revival. There's no question that He desires to pour out His Spirit question before us today is, do we really want that outpouring of His Spirit? Do you remember, possibly from high school and your reading, maybe in college, Charles Dickens' great novel, Great Expectations? He's inter he introduces us to a character in that story called Miss Havisham. Old Miss Havisham, the little boy Pip runs into Miss Havisham and when we meet Miss Havisham, she's an elderly, eccentric, just 
you know, cranky old lady, to be honest. That's what she is. And for her, for Miss Havisham, life stopped many, 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 many years before. She, as a young lady, was jilted at the altar on her wedding day. And she was never able to get out of that moment. She lived that moment. She was stuck in that moment. She wore her wedding dress the rest of her life. The the hands of the clock in her home was, uh, was set on the hour and the minute that she should have been married. And Miss Havisham was not a phantom. She was not a ghost. She was very much alive and was a human being. But she had never really lived. She had never moved past that pivotal moment in her life, never, never really able to move forward into any kind of, of dream in life, never really grew in any way, in any meaningful way in life. She just kept reliving that same tragic moment from years and years and years before. She was stuck in a moment of time. And I see a silhouette of the church in Miss Havisham. We, we've not necessarily been jilted, although some of us probably do have some dreams that were broken and some dreams that we wonder why they've never come to pass, but not so much where we jilted, but, but I see the church. We're the bride of Christ. We've got the wedding dress on. We're, we're waiting anxiously for the return of Jesus Christ. But for so many of us, that's really where we stop. That's really kind of where we get stuck. We're born again. We're filled up with the Holy Ghost. But we've stopped dreaming big, God-sized dreams. We're no longer desiring to see heaven manifest on earth. We're really not aligned in any meaningful way with the mission that, God's ha- that God has for His church. But I am so encouraged today by the prophecy in our text that says unequivocally, your old men shall dream dreams again. Now, it's not unusual for young men, young people, I'll say, young men and women to dream dreams. In fact, young people and dreams kind of go together. They're, they're really synonymous. But when an older person dreams a dream, when the old men dream dreams, that's a, that's a special thing. That's a, that's a novel thing. That's a God thing. When the, the elderly began Dreaming again. And I, I'm not talking about elderly now in terms of age. I'm not talking about old, what we might call old people. I'm talking about seasoned uh, elderly saints, if you will. People that have been around the kingdom for a while. People that, that you've been around this for, for years now and you're, you're real seasoned and, and you're, you're, you're just kind of, you're, you're, you're kind of settled where you are. You're long-term Christians, if you will. And you may have stopped dreaming that revival is possible. You may have even decided that revival is not inevitable. But God is saying today through the Word of God, yes, you will dream again. Your vision, your desire, your passion will be awakened again in the last day. It will be revived. Ephesians 3.20 Now to Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. That's dreams. That's, that's, talking, about, that's talking about doing more in us than we can even imagine. And, and so today I rise to say that God, I want you to awaken my passion for a powerful church. God, I want you to revive my desire for the miraculous. God, I want you to rekindle in me a fresh anointing. Oh, would somebody join with me today and say, it's imperative that we have revival. God, awaken in me that dream again. Awaken in me that passion for an outpouring of your Spirit. 
You understand with me today, the fashion of this world is passing away. Everything that can be shaken is being shaken. The things we put our trust in have been knocked out from under us like the crutches that they are. But I want you to know that Jesus says on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will never pass away, Jesus says. I want you to know today, anything Jesus has ever done before, He can do it again. Anything Jesus has done anywhere else, He can do it here. Anything Jesus has done for someone else, He can do it for you. Oh, I wish somebody would clap your hands and say, God, I'm dreaming again. God, I'm going to live again. God, I know that there is more out there than what we have now. And I'm not going to be satisfied till I get it. God, give us a world-shaking revival. Now, a couple of Sundays ago, while we were ex- exclusively on live stream still, I felt led to pray very specifically at the altar call for people to receive the Holy Ghost and and walk through that process with folks. And then there were some technical difficulties we found out later with the live stream, and we heard from a number of folks that they really would have liked to to have heard that presentation. So Pastor was gracious, and we did it again the next Sunday and, and made that presentation. But on that, that second time, the, the second time around when we, we made that presentation, what you all didn't see since you weren't here, and to my knowledge, the live stream was turned off as far as I know. That particular Sunday, the Holy Ghost fell in this sanctuary after, after the service in a tremendous, tremendous way. The staff that was here that uh, helped do the service that day we were, it was like a magnet. We, we couldn't leave. No, nobody left. We lingered some 30, 45 minutes in the presence of the Lord. We could not leave. We were so arrested by the presence of God and in having that manifestation of God's presence in our midst. It truly was like a cloud had just descended in this, in this place and, and arrested our attention in that God moment. And while we were praying, I I just was pouring out my heart to God, and I, I thought about where the, the Apostle Peter said, Lord, it is good for us to be here. I'm going to go to that reference here in just a minute, so stick with me. Peter says, God, it is, or says, Lord, it is good for us to be here. And I, I prayed that. I said, Lord, it is good for us to be here. This presence that we're feeling is amazing. And I, just, like, just like Peter, as you're going to see in a minute in our text, I said, Lord, how, how do we memorialize this? How do we... How do we package this brother Billy how do we make this where we can keep it and hold on to it not let it get away from us and I was smitten in my heart God smote me and and said you've got the wrong idea this is this is not meant to be bottled up or memorialized or marched around like a mountain or 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 something something that you would would try to to dissect and 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 relive again because I've got more than this that I want to do and so I began to, I thought, well, okay, so I've, I kind of stepped into the trap here that, that Peter stepped into, not, a, not putting myself on the level of Peter, but I made a similar mistake here. And so I began to study the, the context and the scripture there, and I want to I walk you through it. I want you to consider this, what Peter said, because there's a wonderful, wonderful lesson here. There's, a, there's something here that we can take away, and I want you to, want you to go here with me. It's Mark chapter 9. And it's verses 2 through 8 that we'll be looking at. And 
We'll just start with verse 2. The Bible says, After the six days, Jesus taketh with him Peter, James, and John. So his three disciples go with him. And he leads them up to a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. This just means that Jesus was transformed. We might, we might for the purposes of this message, just say that, that he manifested himself to them in a completely new and different way than what they had ever seen before. The Bible says, His raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. And there appeared unto him Elijah. This Elias here is the Greek rendering. It's Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And here we go. Here we go. Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Now look at that. Read very carefully. Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, right here, I get what Peter's doing. I know exactly what's going on here. Notice the Bible says Peter answered. There was no question. Nobody had asked Peter anything, and nobody was expecting Peter to say anything. But I guarantee you, and some of you Bible scholars, I didn't take the time to try to research it. I don't know if it's known or not, but I guarantee you Peter was the oldest child in his family. I'm the oldest child in my family, and I get it. I get it. When you don't know what to say, when you're uncomfortable... If the situation's out of your control, the mouth goes into motion. And it doesn't really matter what you say as long as you say something. And if you're in a group, just like Peter, if you've got two or three of your friends with you, you'll answer for the group every time. And so this is what's going on, him, going on here with Peter. He's in a situation he don't understand. He doesn't get it, and this is crazy. He was not expecting this, and so open mouth, and start saying something. And the best thing he could think of was, it's good for us to be here. It's kind of comical, really. Verse 6 confirms this. The Bible says, it says, For Peter didn't know what to say. He wished not what to say, for they were afraid. I'm telling you, he was the oldest child. He was scared out of his wits and didn't know what to do, so he just started talking. Verse 7, There was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. And suddenly when they looked around, they saw no man anymore save Jesus, only with themselves. I'll come back to it here in just a second, but notice that Jesus didn't even respond to Peter. Just kind of left him hanging out there. Peter, James, and John here in this moment witnessed one of the most amazing manifestations of God to this moment. Now, I'm not, I'm not just making conjecture here. You've got to get this. They witnessed an amazing God moment. Look at, look at what happened here. The law came. Moses, the prophets came, Elijah, Jesus Christ, the Gospels. We have the convergence here for the first time in recorded history that we know of. The convergence of the law, the prophets, and the Gospels. And Peter, James, and John got to see it. That's an amazing manifestation of God's presence. What a revelation. If anybody was on an inside track with Jesus, if anybody was having a a, a special revelation and, and like, hey, I know something about Jesus you don't know, These guys were getting it in this moment. This is super spiritual stuff. This is really something anybody, any of us would love to have been in on 
this little secret. And so with that in mind, Peter's suggestion to build three tabernacles is a little bit logical because he's, he's going back to what he knows. He's a Jew. He knows Jewish history. He knows his religion. And, and building a tabernacle is what Moses did to house the presence of God. Building a tabernacle is what the first thing Peter would have thought of, I believe, when it came to memorializing the presence of God and, and trying to wrap this up and, and understand it and put a bow on it and present it and, and, and really, as, as Pastor says, get your head around it. This is exactly what Peter would suggest. It made perfect sense to him. And you and I do the same. We have an encounter with God like the one I mentioned a few moments ago. We get a touch, we get fired up and excited and we want to memorialize it. We, number one, we hang on to it as though it's the be-all, end-all. God, how many times have we said it? God, it just can't get any better than this. And that's okay, except that the byproduct of that is that we get comfortable with that experience and stop reaching for more. We stop dreaming for more. And we wind up placing God in tabernacles built with our own hands. It's when we have, it's when we say, God, I want a great move of your spirit on Sunday morning at Grace, but I want to keep my happy, healthy, comfortable, undisturbed, unconcerned American lifestyle as well. It's saying, God, I want to hear about signs and wonders, and, and if I know somebody that has a real serious need, I'd be happy to have a sign and wonder now and then, but I don't really want to be moved out of my comfort zone and really have to stretch very much for that to happen. I have my recreational activities and my hobbies that are real important to me, and as long as I don't have to miss all that and can kind of slide into church now and then and be on the fringes of a move of God, well, that's okay. That's building tabernacles. That's, that's boxing God in. It's, it's saying, God, you go ahead and do what you want to do, but I'm pretty comfortable and satisfied with what you've done up until this point. And that's where Peter was on that mountain of transfiguration. He's pretty happy and pretty, pretty satisfied with this revelation that he got. I know where I'm about to go with this. And I'm pretty excited. Notice that Jesus didn't respond right away to Peter's idea. I'm quickly running out of time, so I'm going to have to hurry. If I, if I had time, I'd try to dramatize this for you a little bit. But I just kind of see Jesus rolling his eyes at Peter, at his statement, Lord, it's good for us to be here. He shakes his head, and he doesn't answer. The only answer Peter gets is a voice from heaven, and, it, and, and the voice says, this is my beloved son, hear what he has to say. Basically, listen up to the words of Jesus. So Mark 9, 9, it's coming on your screen. As they came down from the mountain, he charged them that they should tell no man what things they had seen till the Son of Man was risen from the dead. So here's the picture. Peter makes his little remark about building the tabernacles. Jesus doesn't even respond in that moment. The voice comes from heaven. Moses and Elijah leave, and they start heading back down the mountain. Now here, I think Jesus has probably been thinking this over. He's been giving it a lot of thought. He's like... You know, there goes Peter again, and I'm going to have to reel him in a little bit here, and I'm going to have to explain some things to him. And he waits, he bides his time, he lets Elijah and Moses go on about their business. And, and uh, coming down the mountain, 
Jesus just makes a simple statement. And he says, don't tell anybody about this until I've risen from the dead. And so here's what I think he was really saying. Peter had no way to grasp this at the moment, but we do in hindsight. Jesus says this, Peter, you thought that little bit of revelation on the mountain was something. You thought that you had the ultimate experience with me. But after I've resurrected, don't tell it till after I've resurrected, but after I've resurrected, I've got a little surprise waiting for you. And you're going to experience another dimension of revelation. You're going to experience another level of the presence of God. And it goes a little something like this. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, hey, Peter, this isn't Moses and Elijah anymore, pal. This is Jesus not just with you, but now He's in you. Little did Peter know coming off that mountain that in the not too distant future, God was not going to only fill up the twelve. He was not going to only fill up the 120, but it would be for all people, for all time, that although I was with you, now I will be in you. Oh, I wish somebody would get a hold of this. I'm telling you, in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit. I want you to know there's so much more than what we've experienced to this point. There's so much more that God has for us. Clap your hands and shout to the Lord. I'm telling you, if we could get past our monuments, our tabernacles, our, our shrines to moves of God past, that just like Peter, God's just kind of shaking his head. And he said, boy, if they only knew, if they only knew what I want to do, what I can do, what I'm going to do. If there's anybody that would just dream a little bit with me, if there's anybody that would believe just a little bit, if there's anybody that would say, I really want revival. I really want God to move. If God just had two or three people that would say that, I believe we would see something like we've only dreamed of. Oh, hallelujah. Musicians begin coming in, and we're going to wrap this up. We're going to wrap this up and give you a chance to pray. On April the 19th, 1906, the front page of the Los Angeles Times headline was of a devastating earthquake in San Francisco. It was the worst in California history, and I, I double-checked this morning. From what I under, understand, it's still the worst natural disaster in terms of death that the state of California has ever experienced. I've seen different estimates, something between three. I know this is a wide range, but I've seen a lot of different estimates. Between three and 10,000 people lost their lives. Fire rampaged the city in the wake of that earthquake. The event, as cataclysmic as that was, as devastating it was, over 100 years ago has now been well overshadowed by history. It's, it's a part of U.S. history, no question, but 
so much has happened in our world, so much continues to happen that it's a, it's a passing thought now. We know about it, we, we study about it maybe in history class, but that's about it. But not so the front page story of the Los Angeles Times from the day before, April 18, 1906, in which it was first reported that something strange was happening at the Azusa Street Mission in Los Angeles, California. The reporter, having no context for what he was witnessing and what was going on, could be forgiven for using words in his article like weird, strange, fanatic, even used the word babble, strange babble coming out of that place. But the reporter got it right when he stated that the folks in Azusa Street that day were filled with the Spirit, quote, and had the gift of tongues, quote. That Azusa Street outpouring of the Holy Ghost had far-reaching effects that are still being felt today, as I've just outlined. That Azusa Street outpouring in 1906 is generally regarded as the continuation of that book of Acts outpouring in the modern era. And out of that Azusa Street revival, the Pentecostal movement began. And out of that movement, the UPCI, the United Pentecostal Church, emerged. And since the United Pentecostal Church was formed in 1945, it has been among the fastest growing church organizations. And as God has continued to pour out His Spirit, the UPCI now has more than 42,000 churches, 42,000 churches worldwide. 41,000 credentialed ministers and a constituency of 5.1 million people. 5.1 million worldwide. That's just the United Pentecostal Church. Overall, of the world's 2 billion Christians, at least 25%, a full one quarter, are Pentecostal. And that number is up from 6% in 1980. We're now up to 25%. I tell you all that to say this. The day of Pentecost, Azusa Street, the revivals of decades past and in the last several years, what we're experiencing now, the great things God has done in our church, wonderful things, the church is growing, God's pouring out a spirit. Revival really has been poured out. But I want to ask you today, what does God want to do next? What, what more does he have if if we would just dream a little bit, if we would, if we would awaken ourselves just, just a little bit more and say, God, not my will, but thine be done. God, I'm, I'm desperate enough for a move of God, for a revival, as I've defined it today, that I'm willing to allow myself to be uncomfortable. I'm willing to fast a little more and pray a little more. I'm willing to put myself out there in terms of faith, in terms of seeing signs and wonders and answers to prayer. So the question today is not, is revival coming? It it, it has come. The question is not, does God want to do more? He does. The question is, do you and I really want to be a part of it? Are we actively seeking for it? Do we really want it on the level that God wants to give it? If you'll stand with me this morning. This is Pentecost Sunday. And you won't believe it, but it's true. I wouldn't tell you if it wasn't true, especially standing in the pulpit. God gave me this message this week. Spoke to my heart. The testimony I gave you about prayer, where God talked to me in prayer, that happened a few weeks ago. But I put the, God gave me this message. I put it together. I didn't realize today was Pentecost Sunday. I'm not preaching this because today is Pentecost Sunday. 
And when I opened my email last night, there was a reminder from our general superintendent, Brother Bernard, that today was Pentecost Sunday. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool how, how God put this together. So I'm saying that to say this. I want to give you a chance today to have Pentecost Sunday. I want you to have a, a revival in your life. What does that mean? Well, it's different for everybody. I, I'm asking you today, what, what needs reviving in your life? Are you here today like me, asking God to, to reignite your passion and your dream and your desire for revival? Or you, you, do you need a restoration of, of the Holy Ghost in your life? Um, maybe there's an old calling, an old dream that you've set down that, that you need God to revive. Maybe there's a family member you've been praying for that still needs to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Maybe there's a family situation that fresh wind of revival needs to be blown into from, from God. Or maybe today you're here and you've never experienced what I've preached about today. You've never experienced the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I want you to know Pentecost Sunday is no better day, no greater day than to have the gift of the Holy Ghost in your life. So whatever it is today, whatever you need revived in your life today, now's your chance. Now's your opportunity. And so as, as we get a little more comfortable moving out and, and, and with with easing restrictions and all, if you feel comfortable today and want to come pray around the front, I'm opening the front to you. You're invited. If you don't feel comfortable, that's okay. You can pray right where you're standing as well. Our ministry team's here. They're going to pray with you. If you need special prayer today, please get their attention and they'll pray with you. But for those that will, those that feel comfortable, come on down today. And I'm asking you to ask the Lord for a personal revival, a revival of vision, a revival of dreams. And let God, if you're here today, let him fill you with the Holy Ghost if you've never received the Holy Ghost. Would you do that? We're coming down now all over the building. We're praying. Jesus, right now, I pray that your spirit would begin to flow. I pray that your spirit would begin to move. God, as it was in the days of the book of Acts, as it was in the days of Azusa Street, it will so be in 2020. God, because you want revival even more than we do, and you want an outpouring of your spirit even more than we do. And I see hungry men and women of Grace Church that desire heaven coming to earth, that desire the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. That's it, Grace Church. Come on, let let it awaken today. Awaken the passion. Awaken the desire. Oh, I wish I had, I wish I had some young people that were hungry to see God change your life. I wish I had some young people that were hungry to see the kingdom of God manifested in these last days. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, that's it, Grace Church. That's it, Grace Church. Yeah, da 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 da, ba sa ta la la la, ka ta ta la la, mo kutus.